0: What's up, everybody? On today's show, we are going to have our yearly conversation with SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. We'll talk everything with him from conference expansion to the nine-game schedule possibility to playoff expansion and much more. Also, College Game Day announces their week one destination, and could we be in for a surprise at quarterback at Auburn? Locked on SEC starts right now. You are locked on SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. And what's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. It's great to have you guys along. I'm Chris Gordy. Thanks for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts on our YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, covering your team every day. All right, got plenty to jump into. Let's do it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the
1: right. Makes the, the ball. What a catch.
0: Around the conference. And we start with news that came out yesterday. It's College Game Day announced they are officially officially heading to Charlotte for Week 1 to be on location for the South Carolina-North Carolina game on September 2nd. ESPN chose to go to Charlotte over other potential Week 1 matchups like Ohio State-Indiana, West Virginia-Penn State. Uh, Florida State-LSU is one of the biggest Week 1 matchups, but that's going to be played on Sunday, September 3rd at night, so wouldn't make much sense to do game day on Saturday from there. Uh, So North Carolina, South Carolina, both last played in 2021 in Charlotte in the Dukes Mayo Bowl where Shane Beamer got a nice win for the Gamecocks, winning 38 to 21. But uh, big expectations for the Gamecocks this year. We just talked with Spencer Radler on the show last week. We mentioned that game. Um, It's going to be hyped up because of the two big quarterbacks. Drake May at North Carolina is a guy that's garnered a lot of attention and you know, some circles, people thinking he will be a uh, first round pick next year in the draft, and uh, Spencer Rattler will get to go up against him. And, you know, Spencer Rattler can outplay him. That would be a huge feather in his cap moving forward. But uh, North Carolina, 35 20 and 4 all time against South Carolina, and uh, will be fun. Uh, of course, David Pollack will be absent from the game day crew as uh, he was. You know, let go a couple weeks ago, but familiar face will be on set for College Game Day. ESPN confirming Lee Corso, at 87 years old, will be on set that day and will take part in College Game Day this season. So good to have the old ball coach Lee Corso in there with Kirk Herb Street and Reese Davis and company. But unless uh, they will be at an SEC game in Week One, College Game Day, so will be fun. To see that. All right, another SEC news. Joe Milton obviously uh, got some big shoes to fill this year, seceding Hendon Hooker there, and he is garnering a lot of respect. SEC network analyst Jordan Rogers saying recently that Joe Milton is hands down the most talented quarterback in the entire country, and it's not even close. I told you guys I was out there at the Manning Passing Academy a few weeks ago, and he just flicks his wrist, and that thing goes 80 yards. Um, And a big thing with him was putting touch on the ball. It sounds like he's doing that. Uh, You know, he's been doing that this offseason, working with Heupel and company. So uh, Joe Milton could be looking for a huge year. was very good in that Orange Bowl. Took over uh, late in the year when Hendon Hooker went out. But uh, Jordan Rodgers saying Joe Milton, the hands down the most talented quarterback in the entire country. That is high praise for him. All right, Paul Feinbaum, he was on Jocks FM on Monday recapping SEC media days. One of the things he was asked about was the Alabama quarterback race. And there is a consensus that maybe Ty Simpson is closing in on being the guy. Feinbaum said, I found that to be a very positive thing for Alabama because I was somewhat uh, nonplussed with what I've seen from Jalen Milroe and completely unsold on Tyler Buckner. Started feeling a little bit better being around Coach Saban on Wednesday last week. You can't read too much into him. uh, But what I read was a quiet confidence, especially with the unwavering praise of Tommy Reese. Uh, He said, it just meant to me Alabama deserved to be the pick in the West. And quite frankly, I think the tide is in for a very good year. As for LSU, Paul Feinbaum said he had no problem with LSU being picked second in the West. He said he just wonders if they have enough, especially since that Alabama game is in Tuscaloosa this year. Uh, lastly, I was asked about Vanderbilt receiving eight first-place votes from the media last week. He said, uh, look, I appreciate what Media Days is, but when I see that, I really begin to wonder about people's right to vote. I know that sounds crazy because I'm always a big believer in democracy, but democracy has nothing to do with being qualified to vote for the SEC. If you vote for Vanderbilt to win the conference, you don't deserve to be credentialed because that proves that you're just making a mockery out of something that we take very seriously. So, uh, there was Feinbaum sharing his thoughts following media days. Over at Auburn, a lot of folks believing that Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy, the former Michigan State quarterback coming into Auburn this offseason after Hugh Freeze and company didn't like what they saw out of Robbie Ashford and Holden Garner in the spring. But uh, one betting website uh, has released their odds for the college football week one starting quarterbacks. And Right now, they've got Robbie Ashford as the slight favorite over Peyton Thorne. They've got Robbie Ashford at minus 140 to be the Auburn Week 1 starting quarterback. They have Peyton Thorne at plus 100. So, not dramatic odds, but pretty significant that they have Robbie Ashford as the favorite right now to be the Week 1 starter. I think most people, if you'd asked them in recent weeks, they would have all said Peyton Thorne is the guy coming in to start. Very interesting what's happened with the transfer portal. Uh, with guys moving around. We just assume when a guy transfers into a school that he's going to be the guy. But we're starting to see a couple of narratives from around the SEC and around the country where, you know, transfer coming in isn't guaranteed to be the guy. We're seeing that at Ole Miss right now. Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State coming in. A lot of people think Jackson Dart's going to win that job. So just something to keep an eye on there with Peyton Thorne, uh, one Vegas sports book putting Robbie Ashford as the favorite there. A few recruiting tidbits before we get to Greg Sankey. Justin Williams, five-star linebacker out of uh, Conroe, Texas, announced on Monday he has chose the Georgia Georgia Bulldogs over Oregon, Alabama, and Texas. So Georgia now has verbal commitments from three five-stars in this class of 2024, including Dylan Rayola, Ellis Robinson and now Justin Williams the big linebacker he's the number one linebacker in the class of 2024 he's also the number 11 overall prospect and the number three player from the state of Texas uh, over at LSU they picked up a commitment from li- four-star linebacker Tylen Singleton he is staying home He's uh, a Louisiana native number five player in the state of Louisiana number 10 linebacker and uh, six foot one, 208 pounds. So LSU now has 19 commitments in their 2024 class. And over at Florida, one of their offensive linemen reportedly no longer with the program as uh, part of a medical hardship within his family. Offensive tackle Keontae Goodwin, uh, no longer with the program due to a medical circumstance. His mom lives in Louisville, Kentucky, and he reportedly determined it would be best to return closer to home to focus on his mother's uh, care. Six foot eight, 340 pounds, four-star recruit, uh, 30th overall player in the 2022 recruiting class. Spent his freshman year at Kentucky before transferring to Florida. But a um, little bit of a hit to the depth on Florida's offensive line there. And there you have it. There's the latest news going on around the conference. Coming up next, our conversation with uh, SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Thank you, guys. For making Locked on SEC your first listen every day. First, want to remind you guys about our friends over at eBay Motors. We've been telling you this week for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories for your car, you got to head to eBay Motors. Uh, they give you the eBay guaranteed fit, and that's going to make sure that uh, every part you need fits just right the first time around. You just add your uh, ride to their My Garage section on their website, and then you look for the green check when you're looking for a part, and that's going to let you know if that part will fit or your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors with over 122 million parts to choose from, you're going to be back in the game in no time. It is easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed, So go get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices only at ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. ebaymotors.com. Go get up and running today. Always a pleasure to sit down with the commissioner of the SEC, Greg Sankey. And, Greg, I think this is, I don't know, a, it's been a lot of years I've interviewed in a row, and I always start off with the same question. I'll start off with it again. Do you ever get tired of winning?
1: No, no. <laughs> it was uh, a lot of fun in Omaha to have two SEC teams yep. in, the, in the final series and uh, to keep that trophy home. And then the great thing about baseball, I probably shared this when you've asked me before, you don't lose anything for like two months. You right. win you know you i guess mid mid august is when we play soccer so you've got this undefeated feeling for a while
0: (laughs) it was great Uh, kim mulkey of course coming in You're two winning winning at lsu as well just like jay johnson in baseball of course georgia kirby does it again in football but you know we'll talk enough about the track and field and and all those other uh sporting events as well um and it leads to success on the field also leads to success off the field congrats on your contract extension That, that means you must be doing something right right you think so? It's nice <laughs> to be wanted, and
1: uh, the presidents were were very supportive of me. Um, you know, people have asked me, "Well, that's got to make you feel good." I'm like, "Well, it does, but it also ramps up the intensity." You know, yeah. there, there's an expectation. Yeah. What's that next? You perform, so uh, it's it's a wonderful place to be. There's no place I'd rather be than in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, the opportunities ahead, the growth we're going to experience next year, but. The success, eight national championships this year um, across our campuses, and the opportunity for more in the future is right in front of us.
0: I know you're somewhat of a humble guy, but uh, you're able to take a step back. Are you able to take a step back and acknowledge all you've done, everything from getting through COVID and saying we're going to find a safe path to playing while other people are thrown in the towel, and then the conference expansion, adding Texas and Oklahoma, the big TV deal. I mean, you have done a lot in in these past couple years.
1: You know, the best way I can explain it is – the college football playoff national championship game is on a monday evening Mm -hmm. and we've had a lot of success we've won the last four uh we've had times where two sec teams meet in that championship game it's monday night it's really cool but on tuesday we have men's basketball conference versus conference games in the regular season And none of our men's basketball coaches playing on Tuesday care about the football game on (laughs) Monday. So whatever successes it is, you take a moment to appreciate it, but you're going to have to turn the page because there's many more challenges ahead.
0: Sure. Let's talk a little bit about one of the big – topics of this offseason you know and that was with how do we handle the scheduling moving forward we know you guys are going to stick with the eight game conference schedule in 2024 we'll revisit it down the road but was it ever close to going to nine next year and what's the what's the pros and cons from staying at eight
1: we never took a set of votes we had a, a lot of discussion and analysis and collaboration around the what's and there are people you know that favor nine people that favor eight but uh, from a close standpoint, it just became, um, I think, the, the most appropriate way, the most recognized step was the eight-game schedule. And there were a lot of opinions expressed, like, how can they only play eight games? <laughs> and then two weeks later, when we announced our actual schedule and people looked at all 16 football teams' schedules, you like, wow, that's pretty impressive what they're doing and we're gonna go without divisions in 24. That gives us the chance to have teams play more frequently than we have in a division format and have more equity in the schedule, so there's less disparity around the strength of schedule. I think all of those are wins, and those are part of the factors that were inherent in the conversation. What's really gonna be key as is, is we move forward, we're able to protect the vast majority of like, substantial rivalries, games of passion, if you will, that make the heart beat a little bit faster than <laughs> some others. Uh, we can't do that every year, and that's going to create the need to decide between eight or nine games because of the ability to facilitate uh, a higher number of annual, uh, annually played games.
0: It is uh, it is interesting. I mean, the non-conference games—you know, you stick with eight, you have four non-conference games still, and you know the opportunity to play a, a big dog in 2024. There are a ton of monster non-conference games that yeah. SEC schools are playing. Is there, I've heard this mentioned before. Is there a stipulation, or would you put a stipulation that you must play a? A Power 5 school every year moving we, we have that now. Okay, that is and still... in fact,
1: as we were going through considerations, one of the issues that was part of our evaluation is just walking away from non-conference games with little notice. And to your point, there are some games of, of high-level consequence. We actually have, in Florida, they play three of their non-conference games all against autonomy uh, conference members. Right. And so... We wanted to be thoughtful. I think people are going to have to understand if we do increase to nine, that will, in, in, in fact, impact non-conference scheduling. There's one less game available. And we'll have to consider whether we keep the same mandate for uh, playing a high-level non-conference game in place.
0: Uh, Conference expansion, obviously, you guys taking advantage. There are other conferences doing other things, and it's a topic that's not going to go away. I'm just curious your philosophy on future expansion, if that ever was, we always hear people talk about when you're considering adding a team, is it adding more eyeballs? Is it getting into a state you're not in? Is it getting, you know, just a, a blue blood big time program? What are all the factors that go into when you consider adding a program?
1: I feel inadequate and un, unprepared to answer the question okay. compared to some of my colleagues who are opining consistently about their <laughs> desire or interest in expanding. Sure. But I'll do my best okay. if I may. Um, we're not recruiters i'm not on the expansion hunt so fundamental to your question is is that observation i don't think expansion is about a number and i've watched um some colleagues speak about we want to get to a number some former colleagues speak to wanting to get to a number 16 is actually a really flexible number for scheduling purposes um you know it's divisible by a whole lot of numbers right And that gives you the ability to make decisions like we're making with eight or nine, the number of annual opponents. For us, you want uh, philosophically aligned universities that support high-level national championship competition. And our approach has been that geographic common sense is important. Sure, And that's unique among conferences. So you have the big 10 from la to new jersey yeah that's a decision they've made but it's tough you know it can work in scheduling football games but even that's difficult you know what flies under the radar screen is the big 12 now will have games from orlando to provo utah right uh miami to boston college those are trips longer than our longest trip which is columbia south carolina to Austin, Texas, which is about 95 miles further than Columbia, South Carolina, to College Station. But, and yeah, are marketplaces still something that are important? Sure, but some of that follows if you have the right opportunities. Yeah. Well, um, I don't have some master plan. This is like dispelling <laughs> rumors. Right. I'm not out pursuing members. Um, I think it would be toxic Were I to be the one saying that we're going to go this direction with this many schools or we're going to go to this number, it would create a level of turmoil that I think would be highly unfair to to other conferences. And what I said to our presidents in an analysis memo is, hey, I'd like everybody to stay where they are. Now, that's convenient because we moved. But we did move, and that's a decision we made. And it would be, I think, productive and positive if people would just settle down right now, given... The enormity of some of the issues we have in front of us
0: sure and so geography playing a factor hawaii i'm sorry i don't think you're coming to the sec anytime it
1: was a good trip with vanderbilt (laughs) last
0: year (laughs) yeah hey and a return trip this year um i want to ask you this question so many institutions are driven by football it's the the straw that stirs the drink there's a few schools that make profit off of basketball and uh baseball for some is that healthy for athletic programs to be so reliant on just the football well
1: it's not new (laughs) Right, <laughs> You can go back you know, 100 years and you had programs where football was generating um, the most support. And so I think that's historic. That And the numbers and the, the volume that you can put into a football stadium versus a basketball arena make that true. Um, is it healthy? Well, you want, always want to develop the breadth of revenue um, across as many... Platform so that if there's a disruption in one area, you're still able to function. And you look at what's happened in baseball in this league, the investment in facilities, the growth in attendance, and it's not nearly the scope of revenue that football experiences, but there are revenue-positive aspects of of some other sports. Um, How do we grow opportunities for donors who just want to be a part of something? I mean, all of that is a continuing conversation. We're going to engage in some learning this year from some professional franchises about how they generate revenue through their facilities. I think that's, that's really healthy for us. And, yeah, it's just, it, just, it's, it's, I think the football dynamic is part of the reality, and that's not going to change. But how do we grow revenue in other areas is very much part of our focus.
0: The uh, college football playoff, I, I think I remembered you saying before that four was enough, and I think a lot of us felt like four was enough, but We've expanded. We're going to 12. Did that change in your mind? Or, I mean, obviously you got to be on board with the 12, but what changed here the dynamic where a lot of people said 4 was fine?
1: So the, the task was for a subcommittee to look at the twenty-six season when the 12 years of agreements are concluded and identify a format that met some of the priorities identified. One was to access for certain the best teams. One was to provide some level entry point for conference champions. There was an expectation of growth. We would have been fine at four. I would have gone to eight with no automatic assurance of access, just the top eight. That's what I've said. But that's not the balance that was going to be successful. People wanted conference champions. And it's
0: hard to get those other conferences on board without an automatic seat.
1: And even if if you're going to give, like, four conference champion spots um, and an eight-game playoff, you know, who are you going to leave out? Right. So – I don't think the system can tolerate large gaps between a team that gets access because of a conference champion status and a team that's left out because of its success. In other words, if you're going to leave out the eighth best team in the country to take the 20th best team in the country, I don't think that's a sustainable model. When we went to 12, you take six conference champions and then the six remaining best teams. Some years, those are all the top 12 teams. In other years, you'll, you'll leave team 12 at home mm-hmm. and take team 16. I think you can survive that. That yeah. doesn't mean there won't be criticism, but it's top six teams after the top six conference champions. And, yeah. and so that was a bit of an elegant solution, political compromise, but one that provides opportunities and I think can draw people into the game in the month of November.
0: Last one for you. Um, you just mentioned some baseball ends. Do you, do you get an off-season? Do you get time to vacation? It's really – oh, well, the July 4th week this week was actually really quiet, quite okay. pleasant. The problem is I'm
1: thinking about what do I say here on Monday, <laughs> and it never never leaves you. Yeah. Um, the last – the previous four years, 19 was media deal preparation, 20 was COVID, 21 was our expansion, 22 was the Big Ten expansion. Um, I really didn't have a break, and that's hey, that's the job. Nobody's going to weep any tears for me. Sure, that's why that's you got okay. that's
0: why you got the contract extension. Yep, Always right. pleasure to sit sit down with you, Greg Sankey, and uh, best Thanks of luck much. and continued success. Thank you. It's great right. to be here. Thanks well,
1: for being part of SEC Media Days.
0: All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On SEC. A thanks, our uh, thanks again to Greg Sankey for joining us a couple days ago at SEC Media Days. Glad we could bring that interview to you. And thank you guys so much for making Locked On SEC your first listen every day. Uh, shout out to every day or tomorrow on the show. We all throughout the week on the show, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we got some great guests coming your way. Some uh, we'll hear some more from some of our great uh, uh, analysts at the SEC Network. You'll hear from Tony Barnhart. You'll hear from Brad Nessler from CBS Sports as we enter the final season of the SEC on CBS. All that's coming your way later this week. You want to make sure you're checking us out at Locked on SEC. I'm Chris Gordy. This has been Locked on SEC. We will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.